The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. The righteous shall live by faith in Jesus Christ. Let's prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let's pray together, O Lord, our God. Now, as we have heard your word read, fill us with your spirit, soften our hearts, that we may delight in your presence, sharpen our minds, that we may discern your truth, shape our wills, that we may desire your ways. Lord, Holy Spirit, engulf us, take over, allow us to be impacted by you. In Christ we pray, amen. Please be seated. This certainly is a, an anxious nation. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a new poll that was taken by the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychiatric Association, here a month ago, not even a month ago, May of 2023. Their survey states that 70% of U.S. adults reported being anxious or extremely anxious, primarily because of safekeeping. About 78% of those adults surveyed expressed anxiety over inflation. And about 70% were anxious about a potential recession. 67% of the adults surveyed were worried about gun violence. The American Psychiatric Association president, Becky uh, Brindle, says this. She said, ongoing stress about our basic needs can lead to other negative mental health effects, mental health issues, if you will. Rebecca uh, 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 Brindle goes on to say, the impact of this stress means that psychiatrists need to continue to work with the communities that they serve and along with the larger mental health fields and policymakers to ensure that those who need care can access care. Overall, 37% felt more anxious this year than this time last year. And that was about an increase of 5%. Overall, 30% of those surveyed uh, had talked about or and, and admitted to seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a, a mental health worker uh, within their life. Uh, and I've thrown a lot of statistics out at you, but it merely to show you how anxious our society is. It probably indicates how anxious you are, how anxious we are. It's true anxiety 
exist. And whether we call it worries or fears, anxiety is real. It is real. Some of you are feeling it even now. And the, the effects of anxiety, it does affect millions upon millions of people, not just in our country, but throughout the entire world, throughout the whole world are being impacted by this. Anxiety is suffering. Anxiety is painful. Anxiety is torment. Torment, or rather it is torture, torture. Yeah, that's a baby crying. That's anxiety. Some of you are feeling some anxiety just because of that. It's all over the place. Anxiety is torture. And people have been tortured for ages. Tortured for ages. It is said that there is no greater torture than anxiety. No greater torture exists than anxiety. Theologian. A Danish theologian, uh, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, says this. He wrote this. He says, No grand inquisitor has in readiness such terrible torture as anxiety. You remember the grand inquisitors. Those are the guys, uh, those are the leaders of the Spanish Inquisition that went around all over the place torturing people they suspected of committing heresy or religious nonconformity. Anxiety is the greatest torture that we can undergo. What does anxiety lead to? Leads to anxiety, leads to stress, leads to heart problems, leads to stroke, leads to death, it goes on. But is there a cure? Is there a cure for anxiety? Well, that's what our passage is talking about today. Our Lord and Savior says, yes, there is a cure, and he is the cure. But he goes into detail. He goes into detail as to how we are to deal with our anxiety in our passage. Now, as we turn and look at our, our, our passage to gain a better understanding of what it means and, and, and to get a better understanding of what our Lord is telling us, we, we immediately look at our passage and we see the word what? We see therefore. So when we see the word therefore that begins a passage, a new pericope, so to speak, we always have to look back at what it was talking about before. What? was being spoken up, spoken about before this passage. That's what we need to look at. So in a passage before this one, the one we spoke about last Sunday, we spoke about the impossibility of serving, what, two masters. We cannot serve God and money. We cannot serve two masters. We either hate the one or love the other or devote ourselves to the one and despise the others. Those are extremes. Those are extremes. And that's what it was that's what uh, Christ was talking about prior to uh, beginning to address this. He commanded us, remember, he commanded us to lay up for ourselves treasures, treasures in heaven. And by doing this, we remain focused on God. We remain focused on the kingdom. 
<clears throat> excuse me, Jesus now ties all this. He ties all this to what, about he, what he's about to speak about in our passage today. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. As our Lord continues in verses 25 through 30, he continues to tell us not to worry. We are not to worry, to be anxious about what? About the essentials, the essentials of life. What are the essentials of life? Well, you got to have water. Well, you got to have water. You got to have air, but he's addressing other things. He's addressing water. He's addressing clothing, right? And he's also addressing food. These are, these are essentials that we have to have to live, to survive. Everybody, everything needs it. Every living thing needs that. You recall Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve. They were placed in paradise. They had all the essentials in, in abundance. They had everything they could ever ask for. And they took their focus off of off the Lord, off of God, and sinned against the Lord, and they fell. So what does God do after they fall? God clothes them, and then he expels them into the world, the fallen world. After that, they started facing anxiety. They had to do everything now by the pain and the sweat of their brow. Everything came the hard way, including childbirth. They were faced with all these confrontations, all these hardships, all these challenges in the fallen world. Here in our passage, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling us, not to be anxious, not to be anxious about our lives. Now, please understand and remember, who is Jesus directing this sermon to? At his disciples. He's directing them to us. He's not directing these words to the world. He's not directing it to the world. He's speaking to us. However, in God's benevolence, his God's glorious benevolence. He provides for the entire planet. Even when he expelled Adam and Eve out of the garden, garden paradise. He provided for the entire race, for the for the entire his entire creation with the essential needs that they needed to live. Everything, all of his creation, he provided for them, even in the fallen world with all the essentials that they needed to live. If not, what would have happened? That we would have gone extinct. The entire creation would have gone extinct. It would have quit, quit existing. They wouldn't have had any food, water, air, anything. That's what they call common grace. Some people call that common grace. It's God's benevolence. He, he's a loving God. He provides. He provides for the birds. He provides for animals, or the lilies of the field. God even provides for, and it tells us in our passage, he provides for Gentiles. Gentiles, what does that mean? Gentiles, he provides for other, other people. That's us. But we're Gentiles, but we're now his part of his people. But not only does he provide for us, he provides for all the people, the basic necessities to live, but especially his people, especially his people. How much more 
will God provide for you, for us, for his followers? If he provides for the entire world, all these non-believers, how much more would he provide for you, a believer, one of his people, his children? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. The problem that is incurred with this sinful world is that those who have do not want to share it with those who have not. There is an abundance in this, on this planet, abundance of food on this planet. It's just a matter of those who have to share with those who have not. The abundance that God has given the, the planet, because this is a sinful world. But we need to realize, we need to understand that God provides a plenty. He provides a plenty even to a fallen world. So then, how are we as Christians, as true believers, to live our lives now? Being told this. How are we to live our lives? Well, we're, being to, we're, we're, we're supposed to, we are called to, we are commanded to live our lives for the, very, for the very reason that we were created. Why were we created? Why were you created? Why were you created? You were created for one reason. You were created to glorify God for his glory, for him. Now, some of us in our fallen state of being used to think that God was created for us for whatever dumb reason that was. And even when we said we were Christians and we were not, we were praying to him to provide what we wanted, and he was like our genie. We were created for his glory. So now, how do we do that? How do we live for his glory? Jesus answers that question. In verse 33, he answers the question. He says, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all the blessings, all the treasures will be given unto you, will be added to you. Seeking the kingdom of God by pursuing his righteousness is the central theme, the central theme in living a Christ-centered life. Seeking the kingdom of God and pursuing his righteousness, is, that is the main thing that you're supposed to do, you and I are supposed to do with our lives. We were created to do that. When we do that, that, that we, it becomes like natural. It is, it is, we respond to that. Because we're doing what we we're created to do. So how do we do this? Well, that's the critical issue of our passage. We do this by setting priorities in our life. We have to have priorities in our life. And those priorities begin with God. They begin, they remain, and they will always be on God. Those priorities will be on God. We must live each and every day seeking the kingdom of God and pursuing his righteousness, his righteousness. Okay, so what does that mean, Pastor Manny? What does it mean? What does it mean to do that? Okay, let's talk about that. But before we get there, I want to tell you something about, about that pertains to this. And okay, I want you to stay with me, okay? This is going to be a, maybe just a little complicated, but it's not. It's very simple. Stay with me. I'm going to talk about primary and secondary causes. Primary and secondary causes of everything that goes on in this world. 
Primary and secondary causes, are. it starts with God's providence. God, it, it, well, primary and secondary causes is God's providence. It is God's providence. God's providence and how he preserves and how he governs all of his creation, his entire creation, including humanity, including human beings. And by the way, while I'm talking about this, all of his creation, we learned in Job, was tainted by demonic forces, by evil. Storms, disasters, illnesses, everything you think of. Humans have been tainted by the fall. God still providence. God still reigns. And he controls everything through primary and secondary causes. But never forget that humans you and I are still held accountable for what we do, for what we do. And it'll get a little easier to understand as we go. We're still held accountable by God for what we do. God is the primary cause. He's the first cause. He's the primary cause. He's the ultimate. He uh, he's the primary cause of everything except for sin. He causes everything to happen. He is the ultimate of origin. Of the, he is the source of all existence. God is the primary mover. He sets everything in motion. The forces of nature and the free action of human beings are the secondary causes. Because you got God, the primary cause, everything. He's it. Nature, all of creation, and human beings, that's the secondary cause. Now, just stay with me, okay? Is that, that It means something. Well, let me give you an example of what it means. Okay. Let's say you're living in a house, and a tornado, a bad storm comes, and a tornado comes, and it, it destroys your house. Well, the tornado, the storm, to destroyed it. But that was the secondary cause. God allowed it to happen. God, the primary cause, allowed it to happen. For whatever reason, he deemed, he saw fit to allow it to happen. God primary. It wouldn't have happened if God didn't allow it. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over everything. The secondary cause caused the destruction of that house, your house. The primary cause, but it couldn't have happened without the primary cause. Are we, are we still with this? I'll give you another example to try to make it easy. Let's say you're hurting for money. You don't know where you're going to get your next paycheck, and you don't have a house and your food and all that, and, and you get this great job. Uh, you get interviewed, and you get this great job, uh, an income now. You're able to provide get shelter, food, gas, everything. So and the boss who interviewed you was a pretty nice guy or girl, and, and, and they, they hired you, and that's good. That's good. You got a job now. That boss, that business is a secondary cause. Who's the primary cause? God. God bless. God worked through that business to bless you. Does that make sense? 
primary, secondary causes. That's how it's, that's what's going on. That's what Jesus is talking about. He wants us to focus on the primary cause. He wants us to stay focused on the primary cause, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will provide. God will add unto us all the essential needs, plus will be added. We are to focus constantly on the kingdom and the righteousness of God. Then God, the primary cause, will bless you with secondary causes. Now, remember, this is how we think in this broken world. We think, well, I worked hard. I did all this. I did all that. I went to school. I did all this, and I got finally got a job, and I deserve. I well deserve. You know what? I needed a vacation. A well deserved vacation. I need all this. Well, that's all secondary causes. You have forgotten the primary cause. The primary cause is going to bless you with that vacation, so to speak. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's wanting us to stay locked in on the primary cause. To stay locked in on what it's all about. The primary cause, the job, the goodness of God. God's primary cause is a blessing. He blesses us. He never forgets about us. He's always, he is the source of all good things. So now let's turn to the seeking the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, now we are called, you are called to seek the kingdom of God. How do you do it? How do, what does that mean? What is seeking the kingdom of God and pursuing his righteousness? Well, seeking the kingdom of God and pursuing his righteousness are distinct. But they work together. They're distinct, but they're interconnected. Seeking the kingdom of God includes pursuing his righteousness. You have to. They're distinct, but they go together. Seeking the kingdom of God refers to, hear me now, the fundamental orientation of our hearts and minds toward God and his reign. The fundamental orientation of our hearts and minds, our souls, toward God and his reign. It involves prioritizing God's will, God's will above everything else. That's, what, that's the priority. And it has to be prioritized above everything else. We have to align our life with his rule and authority. That's the kingdom of God. Seeking the kingdom of God involves deliberate. Deliberate. What does deliberate mean? It means you're taking action here. You're deliberately doing this. You're seeking. You're deliberately doing this. Deliberately. An ongoing pursuit of God's reign, God's purpose, and principles in your life and your life in this world. Here are some key aspects to pursuit, uh, to seeking the kingdom of God. We are to pursue the kingdom of God. You first must first surrender to his sovereignty. We say that God is first and foremost in our lives. And we believe it. And you know what? It's probably true. Until it comes time to take action, you run across a hardship. And all of a sudden, that hardship goes up to the top. And God and his sovereignty and believing he's first and foremost has just jumped to the bottom or to the next down here somewhere. And you're worried about all this stuff here. 
when we're supposed to do the exact opposite. You keep him seated on his throne. You bring him into the hardship. You surrender to God's sovereignty. You prioritize God's will. You live by kingdom values. That's how you live, by kingdom values. You proclaim the gospel, which you're called to do, you're commanded to do. And you participate in God's work. How do you do that? Sharing the gospel, sharing God's work. Being a part of his church is God's work. You are part of a church. You should be doing a lot of things, not just worshiping. That's first and foremost. Worshiping. Look, if you're not worshiping God first and foremost, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're saying you're giving us a, you're giving yourself a lot of lip service. You have to worship him. You have to. Things could happen, like things could happen that, that may maybe on a Sunday intercede with or, or interrupt that, but you do everything to overcome that. And that's what feeds you. That's how what you're getting, you're getting fed right now. You're gonna be edified right now. You're gonna go out by the power of the Holy Spirit to serve him by worshiping him in his church, seeking his righteousness. Now, let's turn to that. Seeking his righteousness, on the other hand, pursuing righteousness focuses on the individual, our individual personal pursuit of morality and ethical uprightness. Morality, what's that? That's what we do, what's right and wrong. You are called to do what's right and wrong in God's eyes, not in the world's eyes. The world's telling you everything goes, be who you are, whatever. That's the world. You are called to do what's right and wrong according to God and his word, the morality and ethical uprightness. In other words, be obedient to God. How's that? Be obedient to God. Now, we do, we try, and sometimes we stumble, and we repent, and we get back up, and we keep going, and we keep believing. We don't lose faith. We do stumble. We do. All of us stumble, and if you say you don't, Repent, repent, okay? We stumble, repent, and believe. A life of repentance, it involves actively seeking to conform to God's standards. That is the process of sanctification. That's the process of being made holy. You're trying to become holy. God's making you holy. And if you don't want to participate with God and you belong to him, Get ready for a trial. Get ready for a time of testing. Get ready for a time of struggle. Because the primary cause and the secondary cause are going to be upon you, against you. And that's not good. Pursuing righteousness involves striving to live according or in accordance to God's moral and ethical standards, such as obedience to God's commands. Cultivating a godly character. Now, how many Christians do you know who are obedient or that appear to be obedient, but God, they have the worst character in the world. They're just always mad. And you can't even talk to them. They're so mad at you. Or they're just angry. They're just, they don't like, guys, we're spiritual. We can feel when somebody loves us or when somebody loves, they have love in them. We can also feel when they're bitter. They're just some angry people. There's anger. There's not, what that is, is there is no peace in their life. There's no peace and that the peace that only Christ can give us. 
That's what it is. They're not at peace with the Lord. They're fighting him. We talked about worldview last week. They're trying to put God's stuff into their worldview and trying to make it work out, and it's never going to work. They need to submit, allow God's peace to come upon them, and allow God to take us to where he wants to take us, where he wants us to be, where he wants us to serve. Ooh, no. I want to do what I want to do. And I'll fit God in wherever I can put him. And like, guys, we are, God gave us an intellect. We can rationalize everything like we spoke about last week. We can rationalize everything. And like Satan, we can go into scripture and pull out scripture verses out of context. We're good at that. We have to submit. We have to submit to God. We have to repent. And we have to forgive others. There has to be righteousness in our relationships. There has to be moral discernment in making choices. Moral discernment in making choices. We go to his word. We go to him. We go to him for guidance. When, we, when we're puzzled, when we maybe we're, uh, we're maybe confused, maybe we just don't know what to do here. We call out to him. We get into his word and submit to him. Well, we could pray. We could say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I've thought about this and I prayed about this. Just shut the door. Shut one of those doors. Just lead me away from there. He's our God. We can talk to him. We can ask him for anything. We can ask him for his grace to come upon us. Both. Seeking the kingdom of God and pursuing righteousness are lifetime endeavors. You're going to spend the rest of your life doing this. For the rest of your life, you have to do it. You're going to seek the kingdom of God first. We're going to align our lives, align our lives for God's purpose. And then in pursuing righteousness, we're going to live out. We're going to live out. The values and principles of the kingdom. Align ourselves and then live it out. Hey, listen, about, uh, about a week ago, you, some of you may have read or heard about it. The Oklahoma University women's softball team, the women's softball team, about a week and a half ago, won the NCAA College World Series Championship. They won the championship for Tiger for all the colleges. And they did that for the third year in a row. And, and they made history because this, they're the second team, only the second team in all of the NCAA history that has ever won three championships in a row. And so they made history. But that's, and that's all fine and good. And people like us like softball, but there's more to the story as there always is. According to the head, uh, Oklahoma University head coach, Patty Gasso, she said this, and this was during an interview, so you can imagine, okay, ESPN's interviewing everybody, and, and they're interviewing the coaches and the players, and, and they just wipe, they just wipe ESPN off the map. They hate to hear stuff like what they're about to hear, what you're about to hear. The head coach, 
says the Lord told her several years ago, you're not here to win games. You're here to open the door to winning souls, to winning souls for God, for Christ. So since the time that Coach Gasso, Gasso has been the head coach, he's been using that platform to further the kingdom, to doing just that, to winning souls for Christ, to being an instrument, the means of winning souls for Christ. The team captain, they interviewed her, Grace Lyons. They asked her about all this stuff and how her and her teammates were handling the pressure, the anxiety, the stress of their competition and able to maintain their joy. This is her response. She says, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, man, they're probably trying to turn off the mics, shut it off. Let's quit talking to her. She says, this young lady goes on and says, any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. It's just happiness. It's not joy. It's what she's, it's what she's getting at. Now, the, the, the team captain's teammate, another young lady by the name of Jaden Coleman, when they interviewed her, she shares how after winning the, the, the championship, the first year when she was a freshman, that, she was, that was her first year, she says that she was happy but he didn't feel joy. He goes on to say, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do that following week. I didn't feel fulfilled till I received Christ as Savior. She continues. She says, I, I, think, I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we are not afraid to lose because it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Now, you, if, you ask you the, if you ask yourself the question, is it possible to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, there's your testimony right there. There it is. But it's a one-time thing. This is their third year for doing it. And they're still giving him all the glory. They're still testifying to Christ. Jesus sums all this up in verse 34 while restating his main command. Don't worry. Do not worry. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. We cannot live in tomorrow land. We cannot live by stressing over uh, what's going to happen. We, we're good at that, okay? I, I, I'm good at it. I can create stuff that, that may happen tomorrow, big stuff that's totally disastrous, and be so stressed in that moment. I am so stressed about manana that I can't even function. Can you relate to that? And Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own sufficient for you with its own problem. Don't worry about that. Think about today. Think about this present moment and how you were called to live your life. What? 
seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto us, unto you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.